we all feel sometimes being defeated. Sometimes we all feel broken. And that's okay. We need to accept that we all go through these times. We just need to know that we can carry on when we can gather our pieces and be bigger. And this is something that I like to do because I don't know who I can help. I wanted to change. So I was pushing myself to learn and to grow. I cannot push someone to grow if they don't want it. So for me, it's like the reason mm -hmm. that I try to express myself and show and share my story is that maybe one person, doesn't matter where, they need to listen. They need to hear that, that they can believe in themselves and they can really be successful and be happy in what they are doing. This is The Metal Set. Hi, this is Dawn, an ultra cyclist and sports PR specialist. And I'm Afshan, an endurance athlete and journalist. And we're on a quest to bring you stories of tenacity, courage, and metal. From athletes in the Middle East and beyond. Before we start the show with our guest, Faranak Parthuzar, a mountain biker from Iran with several accolades to her name, Dawn and I want to acknowledge the challenges and obstacles women in Iran continue to face today, which makes Faranak's journey into mountain biking even more compelling. The safety of our guests, who come from across the region, is of utmost importance to us. And we have avoided sensitive topics in this episode. At the age of nine, Faranak had to give up cycling because it was frowned upon for girls to be seen riding in Iran. But it was an obsession that never left her. At the age of 21, she went looking for that liberation that she only found on a bike. And the rest is history, literally. Faranak became one of the first professional mountain bikers in Iran starting her career in 2014 and going on to win national titles and races at home and also becoming the first woman in Iran to win medals in the Asian Championships. This, after the several hurdles of being harassed while riding, horrific accidents and difficulties in finding sponsors. But Faranak's love for seeking obstacles only meant that she found ways to overcome them and has proven that women can be even more successful than men who have been in the sport longer in Iran. Our conversation with Faranak goes back to her childhood, when it was love at first sight with a bike. And then we go into when she found out that her passion was mountain biking. Along the way, we also talk about the challenges she was met with, the national and international competitions that taught her about herself, and how her purpose has grown to being the voice of encouragement for young women who want to pursue any sport anywhere in the world. We recorded this on the eve of Dawn's ultra cycling challenge and can tell you that both she and I were motivated to find another gear in our sports. We hope you enjoy this conversation. Faranak, hi. Thank you so much for joining us on The Metal Set. You're currently in South Africa, am I correct? Yes, in Cape Town, South Africa. And you're there for some training, is it? Uh, yeah, tr uh, a training camp and some races with my team, Pomfort Priest Racing Team. And this is mountain biking? Yeah, exactly. That's amazing. So do you travel often to different parts of the world for training? Definitely. Like uh, My sport uh, like demands that to race around, when you, especially when I want to like, get a have some goals in the Asian championships and in the international level. So I have to travel and which is something that I love to do that. Oh, great. And you mentioned before it was summer there. So you're acc acclimating from an Iranian winter to a South African summer. 
Yeah, yeah, but it's it's not so strange that mm, the heat here uh, for me. Um, but only it's that I have forgot it already for three months how it is. So in just a really, I guess, a few short years, you've really achieved a lot in the mountain biking scene. Just not for yourself, but also on behalf of your country. You were the first ever female Iranian cyclist to receive a medal at the Asian Championships back in 2014. That's right. That's correct. But in, in 2017, in a team relay, and also in 2018, officially, if we can say it, in an individual race, in my XCO race. So it happened in Amazing. 2018, I would say. Yeah. And we'll talk more about how you got there. But we want to take a step back and kind of learn all about how you fell in love with cycling, right? Because it it was something that you probably picked up maybe at a young age. So tell us a little bit about your childhood. I think my childhood was like many other kids, uh, like all around the world, mostly, I would say. Like you do whatever you want, like mountain bike, not mountain biking, like cycling uh, in your neighbor or I don't know, anything that would uh, uh, just uh, learn you to, to learn something, I don't know, to explore the world around you. And I, I'm privileged that I have a family, like they were trying to, show me as much as I can, as much as is possible uh, for me around to explore and to learn. Like I tried many, many different sports, uh, especially mostly they were indoor sports. And also like many classes we were going often in, uh, in summer. But what I would say that was different from many others was when I started to grow up as a female in Iran, that was something that made a difference from many, many other countries that we were not, for example, really allowed and it was not really accepted for women to ride on a bike on a street. And that was something that would be challenging. Like, you know, when you're not allowed to do something, you try to forget it. And as a kid, we, don't, we still didn't know what we love, what we are really passionate about. So it was easy to forget about it. And I think I kind of forget about, maybe I try to forget it, but deep down in my heart, I was always looking for the satisfaction I was getting from cycling when I was as a child. And I remember I was looking out a window of our house, which we could see the, uh, the street. And I was always looking with obsession to men who were riding on the street. And I was thinking, wow, how free they are. And, you know, this is, this is something that I remember that I had always this feeling that I was looking at men and boys and I was, when I were, they were riding and I was thinking, how nice and how beautiful it, it, this is to ride a bike. But I knew that I cannot ride it. So we tried to um, other sports. And, until and what were these other sports? I, I mean, basketball, volleyball, chess, martial arts. Imagine most of the indoor sports, mm-hmm. whatever we could see, I would <laughs> have tried. But none of them were satisfying me. So... That's why I think I was being famous as a person that I would n- never be determined or committed enough to anything, that I was always starting something and I would leave it mm-hmm. halfway through. So everyone was like around the friends and family. They would say that, oh, okay, even if you're talented in this, you would never finish that. So, you know, I knew myself that way through my teenagers. You hadn't found your calling. And I believe that I'm kind of this person because this is something that I was getting from others. And until Mm -hmm. I got a dream that I could not forget about it. 
And then I started to follow it. And I didn't know that if I can continue even that. You know, I was also believing that at one point I might leave it. I, w- I might quit it. But the first, first time that I was on bike, it was such a big pleasure. I don't know if you can, if you have ever experienced that, that you have, you're experiencing <laughs> such have. a big pleasure that you're living so much in your present moment that there is no future and no past. And that moment is just like a, I don't know, explosion of like the joy and everything. And you cannot, you cannot have zero negative emotion in your life, in your body. And it was so beautiful for me. And I, every time I think about that time, it's just like, really that like there is a lamp or is a big, big, big bright something in my memory about it, that it was really shiny. And from there, I started to, to go try to ride. And I think a mix of being stopped all the time that everyone wanted to stop me. So it, it was attracting me more. It was like tempting, uh, like making more curious. A rebel with the cause. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And also from that point that I believe now, after so many years, that when I look back, I would say that when you love something, you want, you will have the motivation to continue it, to go for it, to be committed to it. So for sure. I was never truly in love with other sports, but I found a love and I didn't know at that time that I can even call this really true love or everything. I, I learned how to do that. And that's really a beauty of this journey I had with cycling. I love that. When you describe kind of being free on a bike and being totally in the moment, a hundred percent, I think Afshan can relate to that as well. It's, I feel, yeah, the most free I'll ever be when I'm on two wheels (laughs) riding along. You took up cycling again, correct us if we're wrong, but it was 20, you were the eight, you were at 21 years old. You took up cycling again. Is that correct? Yeah. yeah. At that time when I got the courage to do it again against all the odds against all the things they were telling that no you should not do it there are so many bad consequences for a a girl to ride on a bike because you're perceived as a not a nice person or being labeled as not a nice girl and it obviously affects on your future and which Mm -hmm. many were avoiding that Uh, but I was too much in love that I was thinking well that doesn't make sense you know and I was just thinking I know I want to enjoy it the joy is so good. I don't want to just stop myself from having it. I would say also the main reason was I would never find, a, I never found a reason. Why should I not ride a bike? So I said, I'm not harming anybody. Why should I stop it? So when you picked it up at the age of 21, I, I imagine you still had these worries, but you did it anyways. So in terms of like restrictions and riding, how did you continue riding? Because at the age of nine, you had to stop, you had to go indoors, you had to find sports that were indoors. But at 21, you found the courage, but there were still restrictions or, you know, people looked at you differently. How did you circumvent all of that? They were hard. I think through all the time that I have been uh, many, many times that they were really hard. I just could go through them only because I was truly in love with cycling and what I had and what I was doing. So that was taking me through. Like imagine that I was going on a street and I was being treated really bad, like being harassed. And that was really breaking my heart every time because I was a really naive girl 
And I wouldn't expect just those behaviors just for riding bike. You know, it was unimaginable for me that I'm not harming anybody. I'm not offending anybody. And like people were looking really bad or I don't know, even with harsh words, which is not nice at all that you ever do that to someone. Mm-hmm. And it was really hard for me to go. I remember the first, first ride I was going and I was like, I think I was laughing from ear to ear just because I was on the ride, uh, on the bike. And then one motorcycle passed and they just hit me so hard to my handlebar to make me crash. And at that time, I was so shocked that I turned back home because I couldn't understand why. What would they get from that, you know, to bother me, to see me crash and have, a, I don't know, some problems, some injuries. And there were, there were a lot. But I think every time uh, I was enjoying so much on the bike that those moments were being faded and I could forget about mm-hmm. all those negative energies. And I, I was just staying in a bubble, like to keep myself in a bubble, to away all from the negativities. It was absolutely hard. But I think that was making that what made me to be tough and also learn how to mm-hmm. be persistent and committed to what I want to do. Well, speaking of that, because for a lot of people, having that level of, you know, harassment on the street would be probably turn a lot of people off from cycling. So it's amazing that you continue. You know, I think it's testament to your character. Absolutely. And then not only did you stop it, you know, you didn't not satisfied with recreational cycling. You then went into racing, right? How did that happen? Like, so what support did you get? How did you get the bike? What races? Tell us everything about how you got into to mountain bike racing. <laughs> okay. That was also kind of an accident that I came to into racing because I didn't know that there was racing happening in the world for mountain biking or even for cycling. I was just thinking about that I want to explore the world on bike. That was my um, uh, reason to ride a bike because I wanted to ride all the countries in the world by bike and see other cultures, other um, people, how they think. You know, that was something I really wanted to, passionate about to do it. And just one day by accident, I saw a group of cyclists and one of them apparently who was a kind of coach he suggested that there would be a race on that weekend uh, for women and out of city. And I, uh, he wanted me just, you can join that. I, I was riding that whole, like only for a month with my brother's bike, which I would say mm-hmm. every three days or two days, it was like had uh, some problems and I needed to go for a service. So it was really, really not working correctly. <laughs> And I knew only how to pedal. It was absolutely really nothing. I didn't know. I just knew how to hold the handlebar and just pedal, even not the correct braking. I even hit one time, one person. I was slow, but I couldn't brake and I just went into him. But and that weekend I went and um, I saw like there were 10 girls, which most of them, they, were, they had a family who were in the sport already and they were cyclists. And they were doing cycling out of uh, the town. So they weren't in the city. They were doing it in the mountain or nature. And they were having the family, like their parents supporting them as well. And Mm -hmm. I remember um, all of them, they had a really background in sport. Not like me, just studying, (laughs) being a couch potato kind of. But I remember I was so hungry to push myself 
to my limits and that race, I didn't know anything. I just knew I needed to push, just that. And then I enjoyed that race a lot. And I was asking, where am I? Which position do I have? And we had a really like a small loop. It wasn't that hard. Hopefully, otherwise I wouldn't make it. Um, and I came third. And no one expected that because I I wasn't on a right bike. I didn't have even the any gear. I borrowed the gear. And I, I didn't know anything about cycling. And I was coming and then suddenly out of nowhere, I came third to that race. So they were trying to encourage me to continue cycling and race. And from that point, I understand that, understood that there are some races happening for women, but mainly out of Iran. And time to time, without really a good structure, they had also some races for women in Iran. But it was really happening in a basic level, not even comparing to what was going on out of Iran. And I would say that was the um, start point for me. And when I was doing other sports, I was always uh, being also invited to the to the competitions there, but I never enjoyed to do a competition. I hated to compete, and I was thinking all the time that I'm not a good competition competitor or something like that, or, or a racer. But I realized in cycling that I enjoy to race. I enjoy so much because I'm fighting with myself the most. And this was really attractive for me because I need to push myself to my limits. I'm challenging myself. And this is, I think, the interesting thing about cycling is, and that's why I started to continue. It's a long story, but I made it to be the national champion. And also later, I really be, was so determined and stubborn kind of to stay in the field uh, to be the first ever medalist from Iran and prove that women can be successful and even can be su more successful than men who were already for a long, long time uh, in the cycling scene in Iran. So when you became a part of the national circuit, was uh -huh. it for road cycling or mountain biking or for both? It was for mountain biking. I, I didn't race. Actually, also, I raced only one time on road. And to be honest, I got just a bike only one day before the race. So it was my first time being on a road bike. And I was doing <laughs> quite well. I Like, I was even racing without knowing the rules. And, like, I, there was a there was an eliminator uh, race in, on, the, on the track. And I didn't know that you should not be eliminated from the back. I was all the time pushing to be the first in front. So I killed myself. So even in that way, I was, <laughs> I was in top four. And so, but it wasn't attracting my attention much as much as I was enjoying riding a bike on mountain, uh, with, my, uh, with mountain bike on the, on the off-road to challenge myself in the downhill because that needs, uh, I think mountain biking, what the reason that attracts me is that in the climb, you tr you challenge your body, your physical. Mm -hmm. Always, it's a mental as well. It's a it's a it's your mind as well. But in downhill, you need a really a next level of your mentality, how you're ready, how you are challenged, your focus, how you are mastering your mind. And that's really interesting for me because everyone scares to a certain point. But how you overcome your fears? That really shows how you're mastering your mind. And in mountain bike, it happens a lot because we have a lot of technical features. 
and you need to decide, am I going to stay like a coward and see, say, and, and not coward, but in my comfort zone and not try to even challenge myself to, to see if I can write it, you know, to get the technique to mm. write it? Or am I going to believe that I am able to write it? And this fear is an illusion. It just want to stop me in my comfort zone to not step forward to see what is next. Because always when you step forward, it's something new and you will enjoy always. This is the rule for me. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we spoke quickly before, but I love downhill more than going <laughs> mountain biking. But yeah, it's so tech. Like, I mean, I'm by no means a mountain biker. An easy but the, feet. Yeah. yeah. But the few times I have been, I, I absolutely love downhill. And I love the technical aspect of it because you really, really, Perfect. really do have to focus. And it's funny because, Faranak, you and I are almost the same age. And I only learned how to ride a bike a few years back. So mountain biking may take a while for me just because how technical it is, right? But what I'd like to know is, do you remember the first time you actually handled a bike on a technical route or a technical segment and what it was like? First, first time. I can't remember, but I remember when the first, first times I was on a bike, like trying to off-road. I know that always, even when I was riding on asphalt, I was looking for some obstacles for some, you know, on roads. Sometimes there are some, some things on the road, on the street, they fall or something is like a hole or whatever. I was always looking for them. I was always looking for obstacles, something to be, <laughs> that's what, that shows, I think, the nature of me that I didn't, nev I never liked a smooth road. And so that's where I started to go to off-road. I can't remember specifically when was my first time, but I, I'm saying that I had so many, so many crashes. Like I was going to a place I, that I wanted to ride and I didn't know how to ride it. I just knew, okay, I, I'm starting uh, this section. I would go, if I could do it, then that's the way that I should do it. If I would crash, I knew this is wrong. I needed to do another thing. So that was really the basic way to learn, like the try and error. And I was all the time like crashing, just putting the dust out of myself and then again, try it again. And I was crashing and crashing. And I don't know, I was crazy enough to not be, to stop when I was crashing. <laughs> this episode is supported by Deep Dive Dubai. We know that our listeners love awesome adventures and take it from us, it doesn't get more awe-inspiring than the world's deepest pool. Measuring a record-breaking 60 meters, Deep Dive Dubai gives both scuba and free divers the ability to discover an underwater world complete with the latest in dive technology and an abandoned sunken city. For those new to diving, like me, it's the ideal place to get started. And for those experienced to expert divers out there, it's the perfect place to hone your skills. With exceptional facilities, expert staff, and state-of-the-art technology. Since it opened in 2021, it has mesmerized visitors and continues to deliver extraordinary experiences seven days a week. For more information and to book your experience, visit deepdivedubai.com. You've mentioned this, I think, in some articles in the past. You did have an accident, you know, like that went a little beyond one of the regular crashes that, <laughs> I mean, there was... Correct me if I'm wrong, but there was an accident where you thought it was probably the end of your mountain biking career. Is that correct? 
Yeah, yeah. First of all, I, I want to say to whoever is listening that mountain biking is not uh, really scary and it's not gonna, it doesn't need to be necessarily a dangerous <laughs> sport. It's just me that really yeah. was so adventurous <laughs> that I wanted to kill myself. So the beautiful beauty of mountain biking is that you, you can push yourself to really far away from mm. your limits. Or you can push yourself a little bit enjoy it, uh, and enjoy the really just going a step forward. So I was always trying to do something big and like a step, big step forward and do something that everyone say, wow, I never can imagine I can do it. <laughs> I, I enjoy to do something that others cannot do it beyond my technical skills, that I would say. And I had a crash and I broke my two hands and my chin and I sprained my ankle as well mm-hmm. I, I, went, I went to risk concussion as well so that was not a really nice experience but um, it was a turning point for me I, I, I would definitely mm-hmm. say because um, sometimes I say when you use an adversity in your a- advantage through an adversity when you're in a bad moment and you use it uh, to your benefit that's when you are winning the most. It doesn't matter if it's going to be a World Cup or no. You are winning in life, which is way bigger than any world-level races. And I had a really, really bad experience at that time, uh, which I was being broken really and mentally and also physically. I had a lot of injuries. And so everyone was telling me I need to stop cycling. And that's the end of the story. And I also didn't know any way out of it because I was losing, I was crashing somewhere that I, I didn't like, I lost my confidence as well. So I went through a really big trauma, but I tried to learn that even if you have a bad moment, you can learn from it. You can use it. It's always something to learn and move forward. It, and it was a, it was a really really good experience. It made me a stronger person, and I'm I am not happy with the, what happened with the accident, but I'm thankful that I could. I'm grateful that I could use it to my benefits. Was it clear, or is it really like? <laughs> no, no, a hundred percent. I yeah, think a absolutely. lot of our listeners will be able to relate to really? that as well, yeah. um, and certainly, you know, we've had guests on as well who have had bad accidents and it's very interesting. And I think, you know, you're not alone in that perspective of really, you know, it can be quite challenging to come back from that, not only, you know, just physically, but also mentally. So a hundred percent, we can, you know, totally understand. I guess one of the things too, because you mentioned that you had a loss of confidence and for me personally, it's hard to kind of retrain your brain again, right? To know that you're safe or that you have the skills to be able to do something. Do you remember the first time you got back on a bike after you felt, you know, after you were all, um, you went through recovery and you were ready physically to go back on a bike and how that felt? Okay. It took me like a more than a month. I was getting like, uh, completely well in a month, but uh, I wasn't allowed to ride a bike. So I had already another, Mm. uh, fight or another challenge to overcome, to get the permission to be able to ride a bike. So when I started uh, riding a bike after that crash, was first time and only on asphalt again. I wasn't allowed to go on off-road and mm-hmm. do any uh, off-road or mountain biking. So when I started to ride again, and you know, I was so obsessed 
going uh, to be uh, to go back on a bike i was I, I i i think i started also to slowly forget about what happened of course i was starting really much more conservative to be when i was going off road for the first times but mm-hmm. the, again the joy the freedom and all the things would take me back you know it's like it's like all the setbacks whenever you just have a injury or anything you just go one step back but if you uh, if you go if you start again i think you can go back easily and it would be much easier it's not like that you will lose everything that you had i can relate to this because i've had a couple of crashes last year myself uh, riding on the road not not on a mountain bike and confidence takes a while to kind of come back to you but to your point like you know once i got back on the bike just the the love just came back right so like i had to go out and do it again and and i felt like the longer i waited the harder it would have gotten so you know the faster i got back on the bike i just managed to you know erase Definitely. that fear of crashing what you're saying is completely true no, but no. The point is that we need to respect to respect our timings. Each one is different. Absolutely. Like, sometimes mm-hmm. it's not really possible for me even though I got well, I couldn't go back on bike I think until 2 months after or even 3 months after I on my crash. So, I think also we need to respect our timings. Sometimes we need to recover also mentally from what we, uh, what we went through. And anyway, I think also in the end it's about this that we remember many of the fears many of these mm. thoughts is just here in our head and it's not really existing outside it's not re- it doesn't exist it doesn't exist and we are just constantly thinking and we are creating it like a statue or something or like a painting we are creating that it's nothing existing that it's just something like an illusion it's absolutely an illusion that's true and just again to your point one of our previous guests who was a paralympian she spoke a lot about being you know like her identity being so tied to her sport that walking away from it was very difficult you too have spoken a little bit about how you felt after that crash and how you know it was you started tying it to your identity so not doing it became hard and you had to retrain yourself into getting back into it can you tell us a little bit about what that process was for you and how you like retrained yourself into getting back into the sport so there's a say later on when i crashed i was mentally broken i was really really low feeling low every time and i couldn't understand why i am i'm so feeling broken and so bad and uh, i can, i couldn't make myself happy and then i started to search online to see why i'm suffering and i i was also afraid to share it with my uh, friends and like even family because first of all i didn't want to make them worry about me <laughs> and also i was afraid that they would just say no because of this you will never ever be allowed to go on a bike and so i started to search online and i realized after really it took me a long time to understand it because it was not easy to connect to internet at that time that there is a thing that happens mostly to pro athletes that if they get to go through injury or if they retire suddenly they will go through a trauma which it's always need uh, some like 
help from the attention from the professionals because normally the professional athletes they define their identities as a sport people and you know when you cannot do your sport you feel that you have lost your uh, identity and you, you don't know who you are so at that time mm-hmm. i realized that i i was doing this unconsciously with myself i was all the time i was defining myself because when i was writing i was all the time uh, getting everything the experience from the bike to my real life so i was defining myself as a cyclist and when i had that big crash i was going through this trauma because i didn't know who i who i am and it was really really hard and because also we don't we didn't have that much uh, care about like you couldn't find a really professional help at that time and even we didn't have the access easily so i started to find a way for myself to cure myself because i didn't want to be a victim and i started to search more and uh, to check how can i have a, a stronger uh, mindset how can i have a be- positive mindset and through that i started to slowly to learn that uh, you need you don't need to just I, the, I would say also when i realized that i'm not the only one going through this so i felt a bit relieved that this is the kind of feeling like okay i'm not alone that was a good one. And then I started slowly, step by step, going through that, that, that I know what I want. First step would be for me to fight to get back, back on bike. So that's how I started, step by step. So all this experience, you know, you've been racing in the local circuit in Iran. <laughs> Your first international race, and forgive me, uh, so it was the 2014 or 2018 was the first race. Uh, my first international race was in 2014. Okay, great. And that was the 2014 Asian Championships, correct? So talk us through the first international race. Like, you know, you're racing in Iran, you show up on the first, the first race, you show up on your brother's mountain bike. (laughs) And, you know, now you're in an international stage. (laughs) Talk us through that. What was that like? First of all, I would say that I, I never thought life is unpredictable. And uh, this is what I learned. Yeah. And also that <laughs> I always, when I started to go back on, on bike, I was determined. And I was, I was really determined to get a medal in Asian championships. Because at that time, everyone was saying it, it impos- it's impossible. So I was all the time aiming for that. And I was, I, I was dreaming that I want to win that impossible. I want to get to that impossible and make it possible. And what can I say? In my first Asian Championships, I was really surprised with how the level is and how the other rider is. And in one training, I crashed really bad and I hurt, uh, I overstretched my back muscle. And there was a physio there and said, you should not ride, otherwise you will hurt yourself so much that you will have later the longer injuries. So he said, uh, she, she told me that you should not race also at all. And I remember I was thinking, and my coach said as well, you, it, it's by your decision if you want to do that or no. And then I was thinking for a moment, do I want to have this regret in, for my whole life that in my first Asian championships, I couldn't race it? Or do I want to just try to see if I can do that? And 
even though I'm afraid of my back and everything. Also, the track was super slippery and it was my first time going, seeing the mud <laughs> on bike. And I didn't have the <laughs> minimum skills to ride in a slippery condition. I started the race. And this is what I am always proud of that I didn't quit when everything was looking against me. I didn't do the good race. It, I was like, I couldn't even like, I mean, I was being lapped by the winner, but at least I, I tried and I can never regret that I was afraid of uh, what will happen. I would not say that you should always start a race or do something with your injuries, but I was really, really, I really wanted to do that. And I'm proud that I didn't give up. So that was a step that I learned not to give up. If I was on the bike, I could not get off the bike. If I was off the bike, I could hardly <laughs> raise my leg to go over the bike. Oh my so God. my pain in the back was so bad. Oh, God. I hope you're fully recovered yeah. now. Yeah, sure. <laughs> I am. <laughs> <laughs> so you then went on 2018. That was a team relay, you said before, and then 2020, and you got bronze for no, in two of those in, in the Asian in Championships? No, in 2017, I got a um, medal. With Sorry other with my team uh, in team relay so I was one girl and the other were all men so this was the first like a medal as a team to also a woman was included but the main race which I can say it was that in 2018 that I won the uh, the mic in my discipline the HCO the first ever medal and no one was believing that I remember when I was passing the finish line I was thinking, it's over. It's not a dream anymore. And it's not hard at all. What was it like on the podium? Ooh, I was behind the moon. I, it was, I, was, <laughs> I was really happy because it was a, it was a year, I'm, I don't know how many years, but I was dreaming about it for a really long time. And it was, it's so special to make an impossible possible to make something that like turn over That's something true. that everyone say that it does, it's not possible and the country like something that it's i made a history and it will never be changed you know so it's something that i was i'm really happy about it like not explainable i don't know or i'm so bad to say <laughs> <laughs> but this dream has now become bigger than yourself or bigger than what you want to achieve for yourself, right? It's about representation and giving a nudge to other women to get into the sport that they want or mountain biking. So how would you say your story now resonates with other women, you know, and what can they learn from it? Uh, you know that um, even from the start, when I started to come to the racing at the national and international level, uh, even before I get the Asian Championship medal, because I went through a really hard time, which I knew that many other women in Iran would go through, I, I felt that I'm not doing only for myself. I'm also being an inspiration and being, something, uh, being a, an example for other women as well. So one big reason that, that, that I wanted to win a medal in Asian Championships, because I wanted to uh, show others that this is possible. The reason that we didn't do it because we didn't believe in us. And I wanted to prove that they, yeah. uh, to even like the sport authorities in Iran, that we should believe and take women more serious. But when it started to go in an international level, 
I realized that it's even beyond that. Uh, like, you don't need to be a cyclist. You don't need to be a woman cyclist in Iran. You can be a random person in another country. And when we go through some shit, or when we go through some bad moments, sorry, <laughs> uh, when we go through some, okay. bad, <laughs> some bad moments, we all feel sometimes being defeated. Sometimes we all feel broken. And that's okay. We need to accept that we all go through these times. We just need to know that we can carry on when we can gather our pieces and be bigger. And this is something that I like to do because I don't know who I can help. I wanted to change. So I was pushing myself to learn and to grow. I cannot push someone to grow if they don't want it. So for me, it's like the reason mm -hmm. that I try to express myself and show and share my story is that maybe one person, doesn't matter where, they need to listen. They need to hear that, that they can believe in themselves and they can really be successful and be happy in what they are doing if they just start to be consistent and determined and committed to what they love. Have you seen more women in mountain biking now? Do you have more Since. competition? <laughs> more young Faranacht <laughs> showing up on their brother's mountain bikes? <laughs> oh, I would suggest that they have the right size of their bike. They that get a would better be bike. definitely better. Yeah. <laughs> but are you seeing more girls in, uh, in Iran uh, mountain biking now? Absolutely. And this is something that I enjoy watching it. Like whenever I see a girl on a bike and I say, yes, I'm happy and I'm proud of you. Mission accomplished. I, I would not say no, I'm the only one because that. it's not only one person that can change, uh, but it's a group, you know, I am inspiring another person, another group. They might even can be an ambassador and they can inspire a group of people around them. So I would have a bigger influence because I was achieving and I was being on a top level in Iran. So I could influence on a bigger group, but each of them could, could also have a positive effect on the people around them as well. So I would say, in the end, women win, not only me. I love that. Do you have sponsors? We're just, we always kind of ask every, every uh, guest that we have on because it's such, to your point, it's so important that there's support for female athletes and women who want to do sports. <laughs> do you sponsors? And then, you know, what are some of the challenges? Like beyond your brother's bike, <laughs> when did you get your first bike? <laughs> That's, that was yours. How, like how, who's supporting you and who's, um, you know, who's investing in, in your sport? So uh, until 2022, I was supporting myself. I was kind of being self-supported and it was really hard traveling to Europe because especially mm. with the different rate of currency we, we had, it was really expensive trip. But I'm proud to find a group of people and also in Europe that they had kind of the same mission and the same mindset as uh, what I was thinking in cycling. The, from Switzerland, there is a company, Velo Solutions, uh, which they are also working as a Pound for Peace project. Uh, mm -hmm. And they're trying to promote cycling everywhere, even in the countries which are undeveloped and the cycling is not in their culture and it's not accessible to many people. Mm -hmm. So they start to build pump tracks, which everyone can ride it from a small really kid to a really an old person so this will bring everyone to that and you can based on your level you can write it really professional or you can just enjoy writing over it or roll it and so 
then they they aim to promote it and they want they wanted they were actually wanted to have a team to also support some writers just in the in the mission that they can promote cycling also mm-hmm. to show that people from undeveloped and uh, c- uh, cycling countries they can also uh, be more successful you know that we don't have the same opportunities as pe- uh, as mm. people who are riders who are in Switzerland or in France you know because they have the facilities and the infrastructures and we started from 2022 last year and we are continuing also this mm-hmm. year with many main really big sponsors like Endura clothing and also Orba bikes and uh, Saram. Love it. And, yeah, it's, it's really a big, and you know, it's really interesting that when you start, when, when it was started, I didn't think that other, some brands would, are interested to do the same mission. And it was coming really to my surprise that these brands also like to promote cycling. And this is, this is nice to see people with the same goals. Yeah, absolutely. And it's needed, you know, mm-hmm. like we can't, <laughs> cycling is expensive. <laughs> I think we can all really? agree so to besides, that, you know, besides, it's a big investment. Yeah. But beside that, uh, for me all the time, it's like that, how we can help because me getting to the World Cup and me winning, a, uh, Fahrenheit winning a race alone will not change the world to a better thing, way, you know, we want to win. I want to enjoy. I want to win. I want to be successful. But at the same time, I want to help others as well. That's that's how I can feel better, yeah. and I can have this feel good feeling to be more goal. successful. So uh, I think ha- finding people that they want to do it with you as well—that is the most important thing. And hopefully, we get a group yeah, of people, like brands that they were doing the same. They were thinking the same. So Faranak, you've pushed ahead you know, against all the odds, against all the injuries that you've had. And you've you've showed other women that, you know, if they dream and if they, you know, put put in the work and the effort, they too can achieve like you have. So would you say that this strength that you have and this grit that you have is something that comes from inside, internal, or is it something that you've learned along the way? I was a couch potato. I was absolutely someone uh, staying up late, watching as much movies as I could, whatever I could watch, and just getting up late. I didn't have much thing to, like, uh, I don't know. I, I, I didn't have a big goal. I was all the time ambitious, but I didn't find anything that I was in love with to start. So I would say I was not something special in my back uh, when, I, in, like, when I was young, really. But I chose to be success to be successful to grow i chose to not be a victim i chose to enjoy my life and i had a lot of hard moments but i think that's part of the grow you know uh i i i think the reason that i came here because i found what i love and that makes that learned me a lot of things i think sometimes people like us everyone they want something without ha- going through all the bad things. You know, that is impossible. You need to accept the good and bad. Yeah. I'm, I don't know if I'm going to get this quote right, but I was listening to another podcast yesterday and they were saying, I forget the quote. It might be some ancient philosophy, but it was a life of a thousand joys has a life of a, 
or 10,000 joys has a life of 10,000 sorrows as well. And it's going through those. (laughs) That's the price we pay, I think, you know, for this wonderful experiences is to go through those hard, hard moments. And um, I think this is going over a step to reach. I I, I think when you want to go to a penthouse, you need to step by step, go over, go to steps up. Imagine there is no elevator. But still, you want to get to that penthouse, mm. that beautiful view. So you will go the steps high. Those steps, there are steps. It's hard, but you are getting you have to climb it. Yeah. Right? nice and beautiful. That's true. That's true. On that note, and, and a very inspiring note, thank you so much for joining us. We really can't wait to see what's, what's up next on the cards for you in your racing uh, scene. Well, yes, what is next on, on that note? <laughs> what, what do you have coming up? You're spending some time in South Africa. What is next? I'm going to have a few uh, races to prepare and also get used to uh, the new bike we had and uh, the setups that we have. So we are preparing this year for the getting the qualification for the Olympics, hopefully, and also Amazing. the Asian Games, which are all both are happening in September, and also the World Championship, uh, which would be for us in UK. Great. So we'll have to get you back after those wins. Sure, I will. Why not? And I think <laughs> I hope we're booking hope- you. We're booking you from now. <laughs> Yeah, okay. And I hope uh, we're going to see us in person. We will have this podcast in person. Absolutely. Yes, we next time. That. Before you go, any last words, advice, tips, anything to add to all of our listeners, Some, many of whom are cyclists, maybe not all mountain bikers, but yeah, anything else you'd like to say? I think everyone enjoyed the ride. I I don't know. Just gra- go jump on the bike and enjoy it because it's a free, free <laughs> You will free. You will feel free and just do it. <laughs> it's it's really enjoyable. Or I think I would Amazing. say. Amazing. Well, I think three cycling. cyclists on this call, we can all attend attest to that. No, that would be that would be really like to say only cycling. I would say that um, just follow what you really really love. It can be I don't know volleyball, basketball, or anything. Just follow. Do what you are what you love because that gives you the fuel to your life to do other things. I love that. Too. And love it. as I said, I broke, I broke kind of our, our, <laughs> our scheme or our kind of plan mid mid podcast to say like, it was so lovely to speak with you, particularly for me as I head off to a race and yeah, just reminding me of Enjoy you know, why I got into cycling. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> thank you so much. Um, yeah, thank you for joining us. Thank you so much, Farah. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening today. We hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you did, we ask that you please share it with family, teammates, friends, and even frenemies, or share via social media. Please also leave us a review wherever you're listening to this podcast. Five stars only. And visit us on themetalset.com for more stories and resources. Thanks again for listening. Your support means the world to us. This is The Metal Set.